Episode 9, Dreadfire. A beautiful voice danced over and below the leaves as a breeze carried it gently through the trees. The voice was beautiful but painful. As the song reached its end, the voice changed from its purity and began to crack, unable to hold its tone at such a volume. Another, please, a man's voice demanded. Without missing a beat, the angelic voice began again, first breaking from a sniffling breath and then reaching an incredibly peaceful sound once again. Dreadfire didn't recognize the song, but he did recognize the language. It sounded like halfling. He had become familiar with the language during his boarding at the woodland refuge in Nulvigar. The inn wasn't very popular with halflings, but the musicians were often traveling halfling bards, just as Toper was. Toper and his wife. Beyond the branches, Dreadfire could see five large logs organized to make a sort of circle, and each was occupied by odd-looking seated warriors. They were dressed in strange garb fashioned from goblin and bugbear hides that they sewed into their cloaks. They were all focused on the elegant sounds emanating softly from the naked halfling woman in the center of their circle. It was a creo. Dreadfire was sure of it. She was slightly hunched, singing in a low velvety lull, softly twiddling her fingers. She stood atop a low-cut tree trunk, seemingly the tree from which their seats were derived. Her skin was like an atlas made up of contusions and scrapes. Her silver hair lightly broke on her shoulders, exposing a leather collar. The collar was attached to a chain that ran slack onto the ground before leading up again and into the hand of a particularly burly and amused man. Dreadfire felt sick. He felt the lightning inside him charge. But he knew he had to be careful. If they made any wrong movement, a creole could die. He looked over at Ronis and then back to Tagrin, and then to... Where is Carrot? he thought. Ahi and Ekri crouched alongside the others behind the branches awaiting Dreadfire's cue, but it was no use. Isekai Remora! Light blindingly beamed through the gaps in the brush, and Dreadfire turned back to the bandits that surrounded the naked girl and saw that Carrot was rushing in, blasting his radiant attacks at them. The men fell off their logs quickly, gathering their weapons, but Carrot slayed one with his very first attack. There was no point in waiting now. Dreadfire and the rest leaped out from behind the low sapling growths and rushed at the bandits. It was chaotic. Right away, the man holding Akreo's leash dropped it, focusing on his own defenses, and the party scrambled to pick their foes. With one of the bandits already dead, the party outnumbered them. Ahi and Ekri took on the leftmost bandit, Ronis fought another on the far side of the stump, Carrot handled the third, and Tagrin cast missiles and bolts of fire from a distance. Dreadfire clashed swords with the man who previously held Akreo's leash. The bandit was strong for a human, tanned from his time outdoors and quick with his sword. Dreadfire imbued his own sword with the power of divinity, and yet when it connected with the bandit's, he was surprised at the impact. The bandit's sword blocked powerfully and did not chip or falter under the force of Dreadfire's radiant strike. The bandit smirked, and the two began exchanging rapid attacks, each masters of their weapons perfectly maintaining optimal distance. Dreadfire had learned to look at the feet of his opponent, and he could tell in doing so that this bandit was truly an expert. Even on the uneven forest floor, the swordsman stepped with efficiency, always easily finding the next move. This time, when the bandit parried Dreadfire's strike, 
He snuck his knife into the gap in the armor of Dreadfire's hip, stunning the dragonborn. Dreadfire was surprised. He hadn't expected an enemy with such formal technique to stoop to such a tactic. But this was no ordinary foe. He had clearly skinned goblins and bugbears to wear their hides and approximate their image. He was a kidnapper, thief, and murderer. Dreadfire decided he could not continue to respect this man who so clearly was evil. So this time, when the bandit parried his strike, Dreadfire did not follow up with a sidestep, but instead he stepped back. In the newfound distance, he could see the man was preparing another sly strike with his dagger. Not this time, Dreadfire thought. The dragonborn closed his eyes, opened his serrated mouth, and took a deep breath. He focused on the lightning that coursed through him, and when he opened his eyes again, they were glowing the bright blue color that heated the center of lightning strikes. Just then, the bandit released the dagger he had stabbed with before. He threw the knife, and as it spun through the air, Dreadfire released his breath. Lightning chained from the dragon's mouth to the steel of the dagger, and then to the man. The dagger's momentum carried it through the lightning and into the flesh of Dreadfire's upper chest, but the dragonborn continued to breathe a ferocious light show. As he stepped forward, the branching spread of the lightning began to converge into a wound and jagged path that continued to channel into the human who now fell to his knees, screaming. Dreadfire walked closer, never letting up. The lightning used the man's body to find its way to the ground, and the tanned skin began to blacken and boil. He stopped screaming, but the lightning kept his muscles contracted and kneeling, and Dreadfire continued still. He continued until his slow walk brought him close enough to look down at the man. When he finished with his breath weapon, the man was sizzling and kneeling below him. Dreadfire pulled out the knife from his chest, and with it still coated in his blood, he stabbed down at the crisp bandit through the top of his skull, flaking out bits of flesh as the blade penetrated through. Dreadfire shook his head as his eyes finally returned to their natural state, and now he looked over to the party who were each handling themselves well, all except for Ahi and Ekri, that is. It seemed that they did not follow in Dreadfire's assessment and continued to fight with proper sword-fighting etiquette. Ahi was panting, bracing herself with her bloodied hand on a tree. Ekri fought on, swinging wildly at the bandit who wielded a short sword and dagger. Dreadfire could see it before it happened. Ekri's last strike. The poor boy was skilled with a sword. Ronas had taught him such. But the boy overextended, and in that moment, the bandit stepped left and swung his dagger in concert with the evaded strike locking his knife into the hilt of Ekri's blade, forcing it down into the dirt. And with his short sword, the bandit stabbed through the boy's heart. Damn you! Dreadfire rushed over to confront the bandit, but the cowardly man tossed Ekri's dying body at Dreadfire to interrupt his attack. Dreadfire caught the boy to let him down softly and try to heal him, but this was just what the bandit had hoped for. As Dreadfire caught the boy, he felt a blade puncture his abdomen. He could see over the shoulder of the boy he held that the bandit had stabbed through the meat shield and into Dreadfire's stomach. It was a shallow stab as the bulk of the blade was inside Ekri and the small space between their torsos. He couldn't believe how vile these men were. Knowing Ekri was certainly dead now, Dreadfire gripped the boy's shoulders and shoved him down, causing the blade to cut deeper up through the boy's body. It was a gruesome maneuver, but it caused the bandit to lose grip of his sword. As Ekri's body took the sword with him to the ground, Dreadfire used the opening to slice at the bandit's neck, and with a radiant strike, he beheaded the man. This time, when he looked over at his party, Ronus was stabbing down into the bandit he had bested, and Tagrin and Carrot were consoling the halfling as they had already killed their man. Dreadfire kneeled quickly beside Ekri and tried to channel his divinity and heal the poor boy. 
but it would appear that both of the green soldiers they had convinced to join them on their quest gave their lives to the cause. He wondered if it was worth it. He wondered if killing these bandits, or if they brought a Krayo back, he wondered if it would be enough to stop the Revenant. He wondered if bringing a Krayo back to see what became of her husband would even be the right thing to do.